Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into another episode of Scale to Zero. I'm Purushottam, co-founder and CTO of Cloudanix. Uh, today's topic includes Kubernetes security, both from an attack perspective and also from a defense perspective. We'll be doing this slightly differently than uh, our usual podcast. Uh, it's more of a workshop style session today. And to do the workshop, we have Divyanshu Shukla with us. Uh, Divyanshu is a senior security engineer with over six years of experience in cloud security, DevSecOps, web application pen testing, and mobile pen testing. He has reported multiple vulnerabilities to companies like Airbnb, Google, Microsoft, AWS, Apple, and many more. Uh, for, for reporting the issues, he has received many CVEs as well. Uh, he has authored Burpomation and Very Vulnerable Serverless Application. Uh, he's part of AWS Community Builder for security and DEF CON Cloud Village crew member as well. He has also conducted many trainings and seminars uh, in events like B-Sides, NullCon, IIT Dharwad, uh, Girlscript Ch- uh, Chandigarh University and Null Community. Uh, Divyanshu, it's wonderful to have you in the show. For our viewers, can you share a bit of background and uh, how you became interested in security and cloud native security in general? Yeah, sure. So I started, uh, like, uh, when I went to, into the engineering, I was not a, a like, uh, co- uh, from the coding background. So like when I started, I was not able to grasp the basics of, you know, how coding works. But, uh, before that, when I was in college, I used to do, you know, uh, basic, uh, surfing and I was able to understand how phishing works or, you know, back button vulnerability at that point of time in our code. So I was not sure of what I was doing, but I knew like, this is not the regular stuff. And this is not like, usually this should not be uh, no, uh, allowed. So I was like, before mm-hmm. that I was, uh, I was into a commercial application. I was not into the computer. So I was not very much con- confident, but when I started my engineering, uh, there I saw that, you no, know, apart from, uh, like software development, there are other fields as well, like networking and uh, like uh, basically uh, Linux admin, admin was there at that point of time, then uh, no, uh, uh, security. So I when I started working uh, mm-hmm. and learning, I, I, I was able to understand how Linux works. So Windows was always uh, like a tough OS for me. So when I put my hands on uh, the Linux, I was, you no know, was able to move around uh, smoothly and I was able to understand how things were working. So when I went into my first training in my first year of the college, at that point of time, I was mm-hmm. able to solve the CTFs, no basic CTF and uh, the packet tracer. So all those things helped me to understand that there is something else uh, from the uh, software development. So. I, I realized that this is something I knew from the past when I, once I was able to correlate, you no, know, uh, looking the dots backward. And uh, uh, at that point of time, I decided to pursue it as a career. So then I went into the uh, networking trainings and I did my CS training. So I, I, I just did the training because I always uh, uh, assume or like I always uh, think that you no know, uh, certifications are not that important. It's about the skill. So I started picking up these skills and no, uh, trying to do hands dirty on the uh, like ISPs, uh, like the local ISP providers and the routers and switches. So I was able to like uh, no move around the things. I was able to uh, find issues in my own uh, no ISPs. So that's how I started. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I went into the internships. I uh, did couple of internships as a DevOps intern. Then once I was very much confident about the Linux and networking, I I, I started working as a full time security engineer. 
and the, from there i picked my path uh, did all that pen testing did uh, dwa vulnerable applications and so on so because i had previous knowledge about the devops and linux administrator i quickly picked up the cloud so i started cloud it was new in 2016 17th 17 companies were moving in the cloud and it was new so i knew that one day or another like you know security would come into the picture so uh, and i mm-hmm. had that knowledge i was able to troubleshoot i was able to understand how the cloud infra was working and uh, so that's why i started learning and meanwhile i was doing my pen testing and bug bounty so once i was working as a full time pen tester i got the opportunity in one of my previous organization to look into the cloud security also basically it was elk monitoring the logs and no uh, creating the use cases uh, on the threat hunting of the cloud uh, attacks so that basically mm-hmm. helped me to build the basics of cloud security and then uh, in in my last organization uh, i was uh, doing it as a full time engineer where i was uh, performing the scans via open source tools then uh, doing cscp scan and you no know, understanding uh, different cspm tools so because i had a pen testing background and now i got the idea about at, uh, scanning the cloud network i was very much uh, good mm-hmm. to go and perform the red team assessments and you no know, taking care of the entire infra so that's how i landed uh, into my current role and you no know, i uh, started uh, leading the cloud security for uh, my current organization so that's how my journey you know started and this is what i am today so i now i am moving towards the kubernetes uh, and gke and other clouds as well because it again depends on mm-hmm. the organizations because in the lab you can do you no know, couple of things but in reality until unless you are not doing a you no know, scan or the audit of real environment you won't get that idea how the infra is actually you no know, set up in the real environment because of the scale and the size okay. we when we talk about so these are the things like how and what i have been doing till now so uh, thank you and over to you abhishek yeah thank you for sharing your journey one of the things that i like there are two things that uh, i could uh, like uh, that's stuck uh, struck out one is you were always a hands on guy like that's how you started right uh, instead of going by the books you have always played with the system in a way the second thing is you have picked a, an amazing domain which is security like i was at uh, like forward cloud sec and aws reinforce this week and the amount of in- innovation i see uh like makes me uh very happy that we are we are in the right domain so i'm looking forward to learning more as part of the podcast um so before we start uh, one question that i ask all of our guests is what does a day in your life look like so how does it look like for you today so uh, for me currently it starts with uh, looking into the uh, any issue which has come up in the cloud especially when when i do it's mostly the aws right now so it can be a you no know, uh, attack on the web or any uh, ddos kind of a scenario or some some like this is just one part sometimes it is uh, the developer trying to you know set up a application and they need uh, im access so reviewing those access are uh, generating the im rules for them so these are the common things which i have done today itself and the next part uh, involves uh, mostly around uh, doing an automated scan via open source tool or the uh, cloudenix itself to to see what are the issues then then uh, basically going and validating those issues uh, in the environment to create a poc for the devops teams and the developers and then helping them to fix 
so this like just before this uh, our our discussion i was uh, discussing with our uh, team and the developer that you no know, what things are required for a, a, a like when they are creating a user in the environment like there was a specific scenario so okay. these are the things which i have i do like in my day to day life and like uh, most of the things i've done today itself okay so again very hands on uh, uh, sure. work <laughs> uh, like looking at different attack vectors and how you can uh both attack and prevent as well so uh, that's a good segue to the workshop right so um let's get started if you want to share your screen and maybe we start with kubernetes and what are different attack vectors and how uh you have let's say attack, you can at, uh, attack a kubernetes cluster what are different ways and uh, we can go from there yeah sure so in this uh, workshop basically i'll be showing you uh, a documentation where i have written the steps mm -hmm. so that if uh, no if anyone is uh, looking into a screen and no if they don't know the command they are well aware like what exactly the command looks like and how i am like moving mm -hmm. around because if i'll do from somewhere from copying and pasting directly like the person or whoever is looking won't be able to understand right which command would come next like out of the blue so that is why i'll be following the approach correct, correct. Uh, which is most from the trainings which i have given so i'm i'm starting to share my screen okay yeah that's lovely that's lovely at least uh, our audience can go through the documentation as well follow along when they look at the podcast so this is the name of my training which i usually give so for here i'm not changing it so it's okay. uh, the workshop on defending and attacking kubernetes so uh, okay, here we'll have a demo uh, basically it's usually it's more of a hands on but right now it would be a demo kind of a mm -hmm. no uh, 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 presentation and uh, i'll do uh, most of this stuff right. and there would be an vulnerable application so if i'll get time i'll try to show how the application looks like and if not i'll show you the mm -hmm. uh, uh, the yaml and the source code i'll try to cover uh, things based on the time so let's get started so okay. before that like uh, uh, one question things, before we uh, start sure. mm -hmm. go ahead go ahead why don't you finish yeah so uh, before i start the disclaimer which i have put in so these are some real life attacks which i have learned over the time so uh, do not just okay. uh, no uh, perform these attacks in uh, in through the environments where you are not authorized like this is just the educational sessions mm -hmm. for the security engineers or anyone who is more interested to understand the kubernetes security so uh, that is over to you okay. Kishota. yeah so one question i had is the url that uh, that mm -hmm. you are going uh, that you are at is that publicly available all the time so that we can share it with our audience uh, no it is uh, shareable for this session once our session is complete this would go down so because okay. it's uh, like a proprietary content so uh, right now i'm i'm still okay, working okay. on no setting up these things so that is why i can't share maybe in future i'll do that so i'll paste something in the comment section okay. from where folks can pick it up all right makes sense um, so that is uh, pretty much uh, let's get started so first i'll go to my uh, yeah. ec2 instance so it is uh, cloud9 mm -hmm. i've set it up and uh, like i'll i'll start explaining the uh, uh, configuration which i have used and i'll also explain uh, mm -hmm. basics of uh, how i have set up the cluster so this cluster has been set up by a kind so kind is a a, a, a software or an application which helps uh, to deploy the a kubernetes cluster into a, a local environment using the docker so uh, when when we talk mm -hmm. about deploying a real cluster we know we need a master and a worker node 
uh, which can no uh, worker right. nodes like one worker node or two worker node which can connect to the master so in single lab like uh, that is not possible because then we need three ec2 instances right. and then we have to set up so that it will take time so that's why we'll move uh, we'll use kind and we'll set up the uh, no uh, cluster using kind so uh, i'll okay. just Makes go sense. through yeah i have used a mm-hmm. kind in the past and it's fairly straightforward to use okay. as well correct so i've tried basically using k3s kind minikube and cube adm but uh, like for this lab it was most appropriate to use kind because of the uh, docker underlying docker it was using plus the kind of attack i wanted mm-hmm. to show were possible in the kind cluster like although i needed cube adm so my ah, main lab okay. which which i have if you will see this lab which is running on this ngrock free url so this lab is deployed using mm-hmm. kubeadm because it is the actual no uh, way of uh, deploying the kubernetes cluster right, so right. that that is why i have okay, used uh, in 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 ctf section or like in main lab i have used it uh, the kubeadm but uh, mm-hmm. for demonstrating multiple attacks where i have to delete the cluster or redeploy multiple apps i just wanted to have a no uh, mm-hmm. a seamless way of doing it so that's why i picked up this file right okay. so i'll just just go through the uh, basic of uh, like this the kind it says the cluster so basically mm-hmm. we are deploying the cluster then it talks about the uh, version mm-hmm. so if we are using this v1 alpha 4 version and then in the nodes okay. we have control plane and uh, if you will see there are two worker nodes so in the control planes mm-hmm. these extra mounts are there uh, so usually these things are not required if i'll remove these things then also my cluster would work but i wanted to demonstrate okay. the attacks so that is why for like a uh, mm-hmm. couple of attacks these uh, like uh, docker dot sock mount, mount point was required so that is why they have it, okay. it, it is basically mounted and then if you will see in mm-hmm. the last uh, this networking default uh, disable default cni is true so which says like mm-hmm. i don't want kind to deploy the default cni which it is using so instead of that okay. i have deployed the cilium so if you have heard about cilium it is an advanced ah, uh, okay. yeah network wrapper no uh, or fabric which is used to no attack like which uses ebpf technology to block uh, provide much level granularity in the terms of network security like uh, if we talk about in the right, layman right. language so that is why i am using okay. uh, cilium with the kind one question that i have is the mm-hmm. uh, attacks uh, that uh, the process that you will show will mm-hmm. they work with the default cni as well like if somebody doesn't want to use cilium or doesn't have cilium let's say in uh, production will uh, these yes, attacks yes. work or yes. these will Okay. so these attacks okay. would work in all the environments except the part where i'll be showing uh, the cilium itself how the cilium blocking and like in the uh, defense okay. section cilium works so for that we would explicitly need cilium mm-hmm. but other than that everywhere uh, flannel or no uh, like weave or anything uh, would work like whichever uh, network fabric okay. uh, like the users have okay so makes sense so let me jump on to like i'll i'll see if i can have something from the basics so uh, like let's start uh, with sure. the container first because kubernetes comes after that so container is no uh, mm-hmm. let me zoom in before that apologies yeah so basically container uh, is a kind of a virtualization where we have a application running on a, 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 a container d or a, no runtime and uh, it is it came after 
the VMware or the virtual box came into the picture where we had a host and you know, a virtual box was taking our memory from the host itself and it was a separate operating mm-hmm. system which consumed our RAM and you know, uh, like uh, the space itself. So uh, then uh, right. like con- containers came into the picture. So it was like a ship itself, as you can see, where we have different, different containers and no, inside each container, we have different, different things. So let me give you an easy example. So when mm-hmm. we talk about container, we have uh, no, uh, a ship is basically like moving from maybe uh, no uh, US to India and uh, there itself, uh, like we have uh, fishes and the paper. So in the one container, we have fishes. So for mm-hmm. the fishes, we basically require ice and no, a cold environment. And for the papers or mm-hmm. like maybe a newspaper or any kind of book or something. So for that, I need a, a hot environment, which is non-humid so that you no know, books are not spoiled. So in those cases, we need different, mm-hmm. different you know, uh, 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 things or uh, like the requirements are different. But we don't need two different captains different or like, two different teams, yeah, teams to ha- like uh, do all things right. So when we talk about virtualization, imagine mm-hmm. we have a uh, uh, ship and inside that we have two more ships which are managed def- uh, like <laughs> by different, different captains, right? So we basically have three captains mm-hmm. which are consuming the resources from right. the same ship. So it is kind of a overburden. So mm-hmm. when container came into the picture, now we have uh, a, a container box where we have provided the electricity mm-hmm. for the refrigerator to run. And there it's all cold and no mm-hmm. freezing uh, and uh, our fishes are safe. So in the another container, now we have mm-hmm. uh, books and uh, newspapers where we have a uh, maybe a hot environment and now our papers are also safe. But the captain is same, team is same, and now my ship is traveling, right? So I can use one single resource and based Mm -hmm. on the uh, environment, I can uh, do whatever I Mm -hmm. want. So now I can stack my ships and I can have more uh, containers, like based on obviously the ship of the uh, size of the ship. So I can have more containers and Mm -hmm. I can do much more like with the same amount of team, like a captain. And so it's, it's similar to resources we have on the host operating system. So that's how like right. the container I, I, works. I love mm-hmm. the, I, I have never heard this analogy, mm-hmm. but I still love the analogy because it, uh, in real life, it uh, talks about containers and how shipping and everything works. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I love that. Thank you. So basically, this is is the diagram which shows the same. So we have a virtual mm-hmm. machine on the left, and then there is an hardware host OS and hypervisor. And uh, mm-hmm. the technology which was used in the past was hypervisor and apps, and the guest OS was installed. Now these guest OS are used to share all the uh, resources till the hardware level. So it was like your virtual, uh, basically your host OS would be very slow and there would be you no know, uh, sharing of RAM. So it, it would take whatever, like if I'll give 8 GB of RAM into my guest OS one for the app one, it will take everything, right? So that is not mm-hmm. required when we talk about running an application uh, with a specific requirement, maybe a Python application or maybe uh, a .NET application. Mm-hmm. So in those cases, we need very specific requirement. So uh, let's suppose I want right. to have a, no, a Python application running on Ubuntu. So I can have a Ubuntu image and which will use the mm-hmm. container engine. And uh, we can have a mm-hmm. like a container with Ubuntu minimal no requirements. And then inside that we can have a Python version. So then uh, right. everything is again shared, but it is like same to the analogy which I have given where uh, like the resources are shared based on like how your a normal or regular process works into the host OS. 
it would be a similar to process mm-hmm. not uh, sharing your uh, like uh, no hardware or like taking a part in the hardware like it won't be segregated as in the case of virtual machine makes so sense that is pretty much container and for that this is exactly uh, like then we'll talk about docker so docker is an open source platform for building shipping and running containers it is just an platform mm-hmm. and uh, it is because it is easy to use and it is uh, readily available and everyone is using so that's why it is very common and like everyone is deploying applications uh, no uh, in containers using docker itself right right so that is uh, like the my next image is a docker file so docker file is used to create the uh, container images so first we have a docker mm-hmm. file from where the image is created and it is uploaded into a repository it is very much similar to the github code but in the case of uh, container repository uh, like docker hub or ecr we are uploading the images which we have created so this docker file would mm-hmm. contain the set of commands and these commands basically will say as you see uh, from ubuntu so this is the base base operating system which we were talking about then copy is just copying my code mm-hmm. and then run pip install is just uh, running the pip and installing the requirements and it is exposing the uh, no uh, 1990 port and then the cmd is running my command so it will run uh, right. it will cre- create the image uh, as you can see on the right side in the similar way Mm-hmm. so that is a uh, pretty much about the uh, like how the images work i am not going much into the control groups and namespaces because that is a like a very wide topic but i can talk about that in a right. brief that control groups are used to mm-hmm. limit and no uh, prioritize basically the cpu memory and io bandwidth so they provide uh, like mm-hmm. uh, a kind of a separation that one process or one group of processes do not interfere with others similarly we have the namespace right. so na- namespace is a kind of a, again the uh, like there are couple of namespaces like uh, no uh, network namespace file system namespace which is basically used to isolate the host from the no uh, uh, this uh, container which is running so every time uh, my mm-hmm. like uh, container would run it would be in the separate namespace so it won't interfere with my host right. process or my host no network so this is the place where the vulnerability arises in cases or the misconfiguration i would say when uh, the container is configured in a way that no uh, it requires something from the host like a file system or maybe the process mm-hmm. and we are over exposing these things uh, from the host so the attacker if they have compromised right. the containers or any malicious pro- process if that is running in the container it can just uh, come mm-hmm. outside and try to no uh, take over the entire host or try to uh, Uh, like attack on those specific uh, file system or that uh, no uh, perform the breakout breakout kind of scenarios which we will see in the later section of this uh, workshop it so, is it is uh, sim- somewhat similar to like overprivileged iam permissions uh, correct, let's say right correct, using correct. that you can attack an aws account and or gcp account or azure account correct, and then correct. get access to the whole correct. account in a way whole or yeah that's that's correct makes sense yeah so, let's continue yeah so that is pretty much it uh, we have some couple of namespaces i have i've given like pid namespace mount namespace mm-hmm. and user namespace so out of which uh, mount namespace mm-hmm. will we will see where i will be uh, mounting the file system of our host into the container like if my container want to access a specific no uh, file system or something which is present in my host in those cases i'll mount my namespace there 
so and we'll see how mm-hmm. attacker it is possible for an attacker to perform a container breakout and these things actually help okay. in the real world when we have a misconfigured clusters or when the teams are not uh, no uh, very mature or they don't know the kubernetes or container security in those cases they will have misconfigured clusters and in the case of like mm-hmm. uh, the uh, black box pen testing also where uh, no you have found an rc or you are inside the container or in the case of uh, mm-hmm. like gray box pen test also where you found an internal way maybe during the audit or something a red team internal red team assessment you got access into one of the application which was running internally in those cases once you are inside the container it would be easy to break out and take over the host and once you have the host these days the containers are running onto the aws environment so those hosts will have some mm-hmm. kind of you no know, pem keys or maybe the overly permissive uh, uh, roles or uh, like any hard coded keys which will lead to the uh, con- like complete aws right. takeover so that is uh, the containers right. and uh, then we talk about the orchestration so because we have uh, multiple like we are talking about one or two container but in the uh, microservice or architecture we have more than 1000 or maybe 10000 containers in cases no in those cases how we'll manage them so like the deployment and management mm-hmm. and scalability and the networking so all these things need to be managed right if my container uh, died uh, while i was trying to deploy it in the production how i'll bring it up like how mm-hmm. i would basically get to know that right. it has died right so for these things uh, uh, we have uh, something called as kubernetes so it is an orchestration mm-hmm. engine that solves this problem and it is backed by the google and uh, like Mm-hmm. we basically by using kubernetes uh, we can orchestrate the uh, deployment of these containers into the infrastructure and it is very easy to mm-hmm. uh, restart the pod and no check uh, whether the container is uh, is not running or there is some issue with the container or it is taking or like if we want to do the deployment or if we want to update an application so in those cases we can use the kubernetes and it it makes it very easy for us to go and no understand how basically our infra is working so for this right. uh, workshop i'll be using the uh, kubernetes yamls which basically are used to deploy infra in the real world as well so lab scenarios okay. might be little bit different but some uh, somewhat they will overlap with the real scenario as the yamls are created in the similar way they are uploaded into the git repositories so if we talk about from the security engineers perspective in those cases no uh, we perform uh, scans on via tfsec or chekhov uh, on these uh, infra uh, no iac code uh, so where it will have yaml as well so from there also we'll get right. an idea what kind of you no know, misconfigurations are present into the uh, deployment mm-hmm. itself so that uh, we get to know before it is deployed and then we can ask developers or devops team for the fix so that is how uh, basically okay. in the real world sure so in the next section we'll talk about deploying a vulnerable application and how the yaml looks like and uh, how the security testing is done so there were couple of phases mm-hmm. uh, where i wanted to talk about the rbac and how rbac works so but uh, uh, but for this workshop i'll go through within the lab itself i'll explain uh, mm-hmm. what is authentication and authorization and what do we mean by in terms of the kubernetes infra itself then i'll show the uh, yaml okay. which is basically used to uh, deploy an application with overly permissive uh, permissions and we'll see how it increases mm-hmm. the uh, attack surface and i'll also try to uh, get a reverse shell and uh, i'll try to uh, like okay. uh, no uh, like get uh, 
get i i'll basically try to show what what do we mean by overly permissive you no know, are back uh, in the real world scenario so let's get started so like uh, as yeah. we have discussed that uh, kubernetes testing is you no know, uh, basically the testing of kubernetes cluster or uh, because all the application could be deployed on the you know, uh, uh, a pod so pod is nothing but a smallest unit in the kubernetes so when we talk about the docker or uh, mm-hmm. usually say it is container but when we talk about the kubernetes it is the pod so pod is nothing but a container so uh, you usually we assume that in pod we would only have uh, one container running but in some scenarios we can have uh, two or three no a containers running within a pod so uh, let me show you so if i'll run mm-hmm. qptl uh, get pod so you will see uh, right mm-hmm. now i have this one 1/1 uh, so this is our pod so we can have mm-hmm. 2/2 also where we mean that in one of our pod we have two containers or more containers running based on the number and uh, this is so uh, i okay. before that i just want to explain this kubectl so kubectl is uh, an application i would say which is used to uh, or a cli tool which is used to communicate to the kubernetes cluster So in Kubernetes cluster, uh, let me just do uh, CTL. Yeah, Kube CTL. So I'll show you the nodes as well. How many nodes we have, and uh, how our cluster is deployed, right? Okay. So if we'll see, we have this control plane and two worker nodes. So all these are running inside okay. the Docker. So kind is uh, basically uh, using uh, the Docker. Uh, no, uh, just a second. So kind is basically using the uh, Docker uh, as it uh, as its overlaying technology. So that is why these uh, worker and the control plane mm-hmm. everything is deployed in the uh, Docker itself. So it is a Docker and Docker scenario. So whatever uh, these worker nodes are, they are okay. running on the top of a, a, a basically a, a container. so this is what it is and okay. then uh, when we talk about the real scenario we have a control plane or the master where uh, are all these worker nodes mm-hmm. would uh, talk to and uh, where everything would work right this is basically the behind uh, the brain of our uh, kubernetes it is the master right so in uh, in eks mm-hmm. or gke in those uh, clouds we don't have master uh, no our the control plane exposed so if uh, you are running if you are in the eks and you will run kube ctl get node you won't get the control plane because you you directly can't access it like because this is a demo cluster or in the clusters where they are like uh, deployed on the ec2 instance like where we are deploying the master itself in those cases we can definitely see it but right now when we talk about the cloud we don't have access mm-hmm. to these uh, no the master nodes or the control plane so when in those cases we uh, we will only see that right. uh, so that is the yeah yeah sorry that that is the managed piece of the cloud right they manage Correct. the control plane uh, so that you just focus on your nodes so it makes sense Correct. Correct. so that is basically uh, uh, helps no developers and devops but as a security engineer if we can find a way to no take over the control plane in the cloud environment that would be a no a big i would say big uh, a uh, misconfiguration of the vulnerability but obviously <laughs> they have their things in place and uh, it is right. like uh, people people are trying so it is not possible where any would anyone would come and they would directly you know hack into the master or the control plane of the cloud so we we control. we can assume right. yeah 
we can assume that they are safe and uh, like the control pen itself is safe and we just have to focus on you know, taking care of the sec- uh, worker node security so right this is the uh, like uh, two worker node and uh, so it is a three node cluster and uh, in control plane mm-hmm. when we talk about this cute ctl get pod so this request reaches to your api server which is inside the control plane and then control plane uh, okay. would uh, check and uh, and it will see uh, into its no uh, at which is a, a, a key pair kind of a db which like uh, keeps the states and uh, no uh, how many pods are running these kind of things uh, for like uh, m- maintaining and tracking it right so like this would basically right. help us to know that how many pods are running and that's how we got the pod so this is the uh, uh, a layman architecture of kubernetes since we are talking more about the security i just wanted i uh, know everyone to uh, go through the uh, like the kubernetes uh, basic architecture although i'm not explaining uh, these things in detail so no but thank you for doing that right it uh, uh, it helps for somebody who is starting in uh, kubernetes they can also understand what are the basics and then get into the uh, attack side of things so basically these topics are very huge in itself like when i started it took me like around one month to understand how uh, these uh, no deployments happen in the cloud and how these deployments or this uh, master is working in the uh, like a, a demo cluster because there you would won't be able to see mm-hmm. anything right and everyone like especially right now folks are starting in mostly into the eks or gk so they are they they won't right. get all these things uh, they won't uh, like it it is there are a couple of things which changes right so that is why uh, like it is a easy way of understanding the basics and then when we move towards eks in the future or if uh, someone will go through the documentation they would be aware that no uh, like they won't see the uh, control plane because it is managed by the aws itself correct correct so now when we talk about the uh, security risk since uh, we have containers mm-hmm. running and anyone can deploy the containers there is a increased attack surface mm-hmm. and then uh, the sec- second thing if you remember from our uh, no uh, uh, images where we were uh, using a docker file to create the image in those scenarios also if someone has created a malicious no uh, image a base image and they have uploaded onto the public mm-hmm. uh, on docker hub or uh, anywhere public and we are pulling it from there so there also it can be a backdoor mm-hmm. or a, it it can be a no a, a image vulnerable with an old cv which can uh, like create havoc then the next thing is threat actors right uh, anyone uh, like it can be a internal or an external uh, mm-hmm. person who is having access maybe to connect to the uh, the master or the talk to the api server or any internal user right or maybe a disgruntled employee or someone who who basically uh tries to uh, get uh, data or tries to you know uh, exploit the uh, kubernetes cluster and have some kind of benefit out of it so those uh, threat actors can have right. some kind of permission with them and then they can try to basically exploit it and uh, mm-hmm. then we have the malicious containers itself like the backdoor containers so there is a very uh, a thin mm-hmm. line between a vulnerable container image and a malicious container because no in images itself we can have cvs or the vulnerabilities so that would be more or less like a vulnerable container image and malicious containers are those containers which are uh, directly having the backdoor so the moment you will deploy those backdoor uh, no uh, containers backdoor images they will give attackers a reversal 
so that is more of a malicious container or mm-hmm. a container maybe uh, once we ran it it starts scanning the internal network so those are the malicious containers which they are not directly uh, right. no vulnerable or they cannot be exploited by any user or but they would exploit something or they would try to scan the internal network right so this is a very thin line i would say right, between right. the two and then the insider threat and the malicious threat actor they would lie again somewhere uh, between them that threat actors can be anyone like if uh, i am performing an external scan of some unknown bug bounty program so or uh, any uh, malicious user mm-hmm. is doing that so we are con- we are considered as a threat actor because we are trying to find an issue then right. i as a like a, as a bug bounty or a hunter or a security engineer out of the good faith i would go and report it but those who are not you know uh, mm-hmm. doing it in the good faith they want to exploit something or gain out of their uh, those scenarios they would go and they would uh, start exploiting those scenarios and maybe try to exfiltrate the data out of it right makes sense so and below are the security best practices so first one is authentication mm-hmm. and authorization so authentication and authorization in kubernetes is when a user is created into the kubernetes cluster right by default there mm-hmm. won't be any access so in if we talk about authentication and authorization in general we can assume that no uh, we are going into a plane so we are authenticated to get inside the plane but mm-hmm. we are not authorized to get inside the cockpit where the captain would sit and uh, like he would fly or she would fly the plane right because we are not authorized to right. do that so we can have a basic set of maybe we can have a checklist or a name that my name is uh, there or my user is there like if we talk about aws right where everyone can relate so i have mm-hmm. a user created but i have not attached any policy to that user so in those cases a user mm-hmm. won't be able to do anything so that is the authorization part and the creation of that user into the aws environment is the authentication part so that is uh, how the authentication mm-hmm. and authentication work so in kubernetes whenever a container uh, is deployed or a pod is deployed that pod needs some kind of permission to talk to you know uh, the kubernetes cluster or the different pods within the network or into the different network like based on the requirement so in those cases just right. or any user right. i have got access right now because i was able to run kube ctl get pod because i was admin i had all the privileges but if i'll create right. a user maybe your mm-hmm. user purushottam in those cases until and mm-hmm. unless i won't give you the permission right Uh, to maybe list the pod mm-hmm. or create the pod so until unless you don't have those permission you are not authorized to uh, perform these kind of uh, no uh, activities uh, it is similar to the right. http verbs when we talk about like the kind of verbs uh, we we are uh, allowing uh, uh, as the part of authorization in kubernetes so that is what authentication and authorization is. yeah so uh, i will also show that and the next part is the network security where uh, the two networks uh, basically two pods are communicating uh, no, uh, within the uh, namespace so i just wanted to add here before i move uh, to the next part that by default namespace do not block any type of communication so i have seen people assuming that mm-hmm. the applications are running in different namespace so they are separated and segregated but that is not true like namespace just uh, isn't just a logical uh, no uh, uh separation when we are running uh, pods or anything uh, in in the kubernetes cluster mm-hmm. so and the next thing is uh, cis security scan so cis is just a benchmark for the best practices which we can use where a bunch of 
techno uh, like like minded uh, kubernetes security folks came up and they uh, created you no know, some best practices which are easy to follow and everyone can you know have a basic idea like if they want to secure their kubernetes cluster or they want to find the uh, no misconfiguration what are the common things they need to see so this is our cis security mm-hmm. and and then self assessment of the security uh, in in the cluster is about uh, doing the pen testing of the cluster doing the red team assessments of the kubernetes cluster what are the entry points what are the exit points okay. what are the vulnerabilities and and then trying to exploit those scenarios or maybe find something which can lead to a uh, you no know, a dos or or a complete cluster compromise in the worst case mm-hmm. and the last part is infrastructure is infrastructure pen testing and patching so when we deploy kubernetes no we usually do it in the eks or gke right so we have to make sure that our kubernetes apart from our kubernetes cluster our uh, no uh, aws or the our uh, cloud itself is safe like if i am a i'm a user and mm-hmm. i have full permission to create or deploy the cluster itself i can right i i would have access to everything like in those cases i can create my own user and do whatever i want maybe i would go and simply delete the cluster right, right, right. because now i have access so i can have a dos without <laughs> even having access to the cluster so these are some common best practices correct, and correct. some of the scenarios we would see in the next lab so before that okay. if uh, if you have anything purushottam you want to discuss or anything then i would be happy to you know answer before i we move to the uh, like uh, hands on scenario sure one one thing that i uh, want to double click on is the uh, where you highlighted right just mm-hmm. because there is a namespace like you are uh, deploying your workloads into two different uh, namespaces that doesn't mean the uh, communication is okay. not there like com- by default it's allowed right which uh, a lot of folks maybe do not know Uh, so thank you for highlighting that and i love your analogy as well about the authentication and authorization in a plane uh, so yeah uh, i'm all good let's uh, move to the uh, uh, one of the scenarios of uh, attacking a cluster okay so just let me see where we are in terms of the application itself uh, let me just check whether my application is running or not before we move Sure. So although I yeah. have deployed, and what does this application do? If you can briefly share yeah, sure. what this sure. application so, is. Before that, I'll just go into the hands-on part as well. I'm just checking where I deployed this application, so okay. so that I can just uh, show the explanation and the flow. Uh, yeah. so just let me start okay. my application so before that i'll just uh, sorry it is in this uh, so this is our uh, i'll i'll just explain the yaml and then i'll explain the application and mm-hmm. then uh, i'll i'll show you how sure. basically our application is working so i'll start with i'll just open these okay. files so first i'll uh, obviously come to that uh, like our back part so in kubernetes we have uh, mm-hmm. roles and role binding and cluster role and cluster role binding so in role it is right. typically named to a namespace so when we talk about uh, this right uh, cube ctl uh, get pods mm-hmm. so you will see i can only see uh, one single pod 
but if i'll do something like this where i have qctl uh, get pods no uh, hyphen a yeah mm-hmm. so you will see now with hyphen a which means all i was able to see multiple pods right so you can see with the pod mm-hmm. command uh, it is uh, de- uh, segregated by the uh, namespace right with different namespaces we are getting different right. results but when i do uh, sorry i was not on mm-hmm. let me zoom in here also yeah so when i do kubectl get nodes mm-hmm. so in this case you will see i am still getting uh, uh three nodes right so if i am uh, this is free from any uh, namespace right that like it is not any name no uh, namespace right. uh, is specific like whether i am in any uh, in namespace mm-hmm. a or the cube system namespace or any namespace uh, it would this would show me only three nodes so there are uh, some permissions which so are so there are few resources mm-hmm. correct yes right yes, like yes, few resources yes. which are within namespace boundary and few which correct. are not right and also you have right. permissions to access some and uh, not some others makes sense so then we we we, we can uh, on that only we will assume that how the permissions need to be given so for the permissions where we want mm-hmm. application to access a specific namespace or you no know, a specific part of the cluster right so in those cases we would mo- go into mm-hmm. uh, the role uh, role and role uh, basically role bindings but when we want to give access to mm-hmm. the entire cluster uh we would move towards the cluster role and cluster bindings so this is a basic okay. scenario and, and in this, in which mm-hmm. case would you use just the role so we would use role suppose i want to give access to a specific uh, like namespace right i want a user to have uh, access to this cube system mm. namespace uh, for a specific set of pods like mm-hmm. i want uh, x user or like opportunity uh, user to see only the cube system namespace so in those cases i would give uh, okay. no uh, role and role bindings because i just want uh, user to uh, access okay. this specific uh, right if i want you to access all the nodes mm-hmm. and all the namespaces so if i'll create a role for every mm-hmm. namespace it will take 10 files to yamls to to be created and then <laughs> the deployment would happen right so uh, again it is we can right. do in a different way but the, this is the way how this it should be done right so, makes sense and cluster role is uh, where we are giving the uh, full permission uh, basically cluster wide permission not the full permission and when we talk about the uh, misconfigured uh, cluster uh, role or like overly permissive role it it always starts with a star mm-hmm. so if you'll see star everywhere like we <laughs> can see here Uh, yeah, the api groups are star right. that means all the api groups uh, no uh, like uh, within the kubernetes are allowed then what kind of resources like pods or the namespace everything is again start mm-hmm. and the kind of verb like the list verb or the delete verb or the create mm-hmm. verb so these are the verbs so everything you will see is uh, star here right and the kind is cluster role that means we are creating a cluster right. role and this is the name of our cluster role right now like uh, your name my name so this is just mm-hmm. the name itself so uh, next right. is the bi- binding part so what do we mean by binding right and uh, why why i am taking this mm-hmm. name again and again that uh, some role binding or the cluster role binding so we have to tell kubernetes uh, mm-hmm. that this uh, cluster role is associated either with a person or a service account so when mm-hmm. we talk about uh, bindings it, it is just to tell that no my this role or the cluster role or the 
uh, a role this would be, would be associated to divyanshu user or a purushottam user so that uh, at every time uh, kubernetes uh, master mm-hmm. node sees that uh, no divyanshu is trying to access so it would know that based on the permissions in the this x cluster role which is binded here uh, as you can see here uh, user mm-hmm. or divyanshu can access mm-hmm. and in case of machines we don't have like uh, username and password like machines can't go and log in or like they can't right. create the certificates so for that we have a service account so service account mm-hmm. is basically mounted inside a container mm-hmm. and uh, from there based on the permissions this service account would have uh, my uh, container would be able mm-hmm. to communicate my container would be able to talk to the node my container would be able to create uh, more pods or the you no know, uh, uh, maybe it is able to list the you no know, uh, pods or do whatever it wants like it can be a requirement right uh for some communication or some creation so that right. is why yeah. permissions are given yeah so this scenario right. is basically so binding based on sounds uh, yes yes sorry i was just saying like binding sounds like how let's say in aws you have a policy which is very much mm-hmm. like your cluster role and then right. you have a user or a access key and then you are attaching the policy to that user so that is the binding in kubernetes context correct correct so uh, it is more towards the google where the google itself uses the service account like if you know that no uh, correct, like correct. the machines would have service account this is exactly similar to their, that only mm-hmm. right so uh, in this scenario we are just creating a cluster role with uh, overly permissive role you can see the star star and i'm binding it to a service account because i would run an application and then we would try to uh, mm-hmm. basically uh, uh, no exploit this application and get inside this uh, application by rc so once we'll have rc i'll try to no uh, do okay. couple of things which i'll show you and this is the uh, deployment okay. of my application so the kind type is deployment so there are multiple types mm-hmm. of deployment or like multiple ways to deploy a pod like pod is there uh, stateful sets are there replica set is there deployment is there so there are multiple multiple ways by which you can deploy uh, a pod or a container so pod in in pod like i'll explain mm-hmm. one like in the pod when when i use or mention something like pod right uh, then my pod or the my container mm-hmm. created and if that container uh, dies or it exits right in that case it won't come out mm-hmm. uh, automatically like it will just stay in that state but in right. the case of deployment uh, you can see right my replica is uh, is set to one so this is the uh, desired mm-hmm. state and my if my application uh, or my container dies or my pod dies then it would come up again so mm-hmm. my kubernetes cluster or my master would try mm-hmm. to on like bring it up like uh, no uh, every time if this uh, container would die so that is why we are using is the deployment right, right? Uh, so this is where kubernetes helps right if helps. you have defined replica then kubernetes will make sure that it is those correct. many number of instances correct. are available correct this is what i was try like was yeah. planning to add that no this is how kubernetes comes into the picture like if we had a c- container then mm-hmm. uh, we 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 won't be able to do this thing right we our, our pod won't come up every time it dies so correct the, then we have couple of labels so label is like the you no know, tags which we are mm-hmm. adding so if we want to you know manage our uh, pod or anything based on the label we can do that it is similar to any tagging system okay. where 
wherever we use like in aws or anywhere so it is exactly similar to that mm-hmm. and then we have this uh, service okay. account name so you will see the service account name is attached here mm-hmm. so this is the service account so if you will see my uh, binding i have created the service account and uh, mm-hmm. this is i am adding it here mm-hmm. so now my application uh, sorry my application would use this service account uh and this whatever permission okay. this service account would have my application would have the same set of permission and right. uh, the la- last part is this uh, image which is the insecure python app it is on the docker hub and this is the name of my repository so it's nothing mm-hmm. else huh. it is the main part is this insecure python app and it is running on port 8000 mm-hmm. so i just mentioned that container port is 8000 and my image is this this from where uh, the kubernetes would okay. pull uh, this image and would create a container and it will mount mm-hmm. this uh, uh, service account and uh, basically uh, it will uh, mm-hmm. have the same set of permissions right and then i i would show couple of other yamls right. also very quickly uh, the uh, namespace.yaml is just to mm-hmm. create the namespace you can see the kind is namespace so if you'll see whatever i am deploying right my okay. kind is changing everywhere like where i'm i'm deploying a cluster role binding mm-hmm. my kind is a uh, cluster role binding where i'm deploying the cluster role it is uh, like kind is cluster role uh, for the namespace the kind is namespace so it is just what whatever uh, yaml mm-hmm. i'm deploying the same i have to mention in the kind and the name like whatever name i'm going to give my right. namespace and then we have this service and right. the service account so don't get confused with uh, service and service account so services are networking part of the mm-hmm. kubernetes like if i want my you uh, know uh, container to be accessed outside the cluster or within the cluster i'll do, i'll use different different types so the kind would be service but the type would change like there are a couple of types like cluster mm-hmm. ip node port ingress load balancer so load balancer is mostly for the you know uh, cloud environments it won't work in the bare clusters like this and then we have the cluster ip where mm-hmm. when we want to com- want to have the communication within the cluster itself like as the name says cluster ip right so it would be uh, allowed like uh, one mm-hmm. pod would be able to communicate to that specific pod within the cluster so when we want to expose our application mm-hmm. and want to be accessed it outside either we can have a load balancer but because we are uh, running inside the docker uh, we would have this node port so it is a docker in docker right so uh, like my this application would run mm-hmm. on the top of a docker then that docker was communicating to my host so directly we won't be able to access via node port but in real scenarios we just have to enter this node port and my application would be accessible directly here in this scenario this won't happen because Correct. it is the client cluster so we would do a small port forwarding mm-hmm. where i would say uh that whenever the node port is running on 8000 i would say that all the traffic you no know, uh, when it is hitting this uh like my external ip that should be redirected to this 8000 port uh, within my uh, no uh, specific uh, kubernetes node and inside that this container so because there are two layers uh, two containers right. running so that is why we are just doing the port forwarding and the last okay. part is the uh, service service account itself as we are listening again and again so service account is just the kind of service account mm-hmm. and the name of the service account mm-hmm. and in which namespace this service account would be there uh, that is uh, our uh, the service account right. so these are the only yamls which are required when we deploy an application like only these things are like you mm-hmm. instead of deployment you can have a replica set or you can have a stateful set so it will depend but this is 
whenever you want to deploy or whenever i want to create a cluster right all these are the only things required so this is the uh, like minimum like these are bare minimum that you need correct 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 so if i have these things okay. i can deploy the uh, like application wherever i want or like this is how we can start right if i have idea about all these values and if i'll see something uh, maybe in our uh, github or mm-hmm. in any you know uh, host operating system when doing the pen test we would have idea right like there, there is a cluster mm-hmm. role so there should be an service account also or there would should be a user also so it would just give us the idea how the infra has mm-hmm. been created so right that Makes is sense. pretty much it uh, let me just close these tabs very quickly and uh, mm-hmm. so to deploy the application we don't have to do anything we we'll, i'll just go into the folder itself okay and because i have already deployed so i am not uh, redeploying it but i'll uh, show you the command so i just have to go and right. do this gives the idea here. correct so i have cube ctl create hyphen f and then name of mm-hmm. the folder itself since i am inside the folder so i can do a dot itself so i just right. this cube ctl create command will create and hyphen f is just the set of files or like the folder itself where my all files are so suppose uh, if i'll go outside this cluster okay. i have to mention uh, sorry uh, this folder then i have to mention this full dash r back and it will take all the you uh, know uh, Mm-hmm. files and it will create everything for me uh, i can try to create that and i'll show right. something interesting here uh ctl okay. create hyphen app and uh, full so full if i do this yeah. uh, yes so you will see it is saying that everything already exists like you'll see the role a cluster role is there mm-hmm. cluster role binding is because i've already created it so that is why this is showing this error if this uh, this is if this was not created Correct. then it would create everything for me or if i'll make any changes then it will show configured Correct. so this is our basic sample mm-hmm. application now i'll quickly go and uh, just uh, do a code forward so that uh, we can see mm-hmm. what is running on the top so i think i have missed something just let me see what namespace i have given here yeah i think the namespace Yeah, yeah, namespace had a different uh, name. Yes, actually, uh, I was uh, deploying it using a different name, right? Uh, so, anyway, I'll just copy this namespace and uh, okay, do a port forwarding again. Mm-hmm. what is just uh, let me see right uh, what has happened sure sure yeah i think the service name is also need to no, be changed actually there are multiple uh, applications running uh, like multiple uh, i have multiple uh, clusters right so i think i have deployed right, some right. other okay. cluster basically i am using a different uh, lab for this and uh, the cluster is different okay okay like the name which i am using that is why it is uh, saying uh this qctl okay i have basically copied the wrong command <laughs> that is pretty much it 
So I'm just seeing which, <laughs> what is the name of the yeah. service. Sure. CPR. If everything works properly, then it's not a workshop anymore. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you, you remember right from the day one when we started our deployment of the uh, cloud and it's so everything was like mm -hmm. not working in my cluster also. Like something was always down. <laughs> so, just. Yeah. Yeah, I think we just need to change the service name here. Correct. So if you'll see, uh, this actually gives a great way of what what we are doing. I'll, I'll just explain it. So you can see right now, because it was showing a mm -hmm. error that uh, this... Uh, service is not found and the namespace is not found. So I just use the get SVC command in that namespace to see what is the name of my service. And mm -hmm. I've mentioned the name again and the uh, like uh, the mm -hmm. namespace itself. And now when I'll try, it should work. Right. Uh, you can see now it has not shown right. me any, yeah. any error. So I'll just copy this uh, public IP mm -hmm. and I'll just enter the 8000 here. So, mm -hmm. So this is a uh, insecure password manager. So you can see it, the application is working fine, right? Okay. Thank you everyone for joining us in this insightful workshop. Uh, this is part one of a multi-part series focusing on Kubernetes learning, attack and defense. We hope you found part one informative and uh, engaging. Stay tuned for part two, where we'll dive deeper into practical strategies of attacking a Kubernetes cluster. Uh, which will help in understanding an attacker's mindset and areas that attackers exploit in general. See you soon. Thank you.